0: we know we tend to focus a lot on physical fitness. You know, you've got to be out there striding around or going down the gym. And, and we're also taught about the importance of nutrition. I was really fascinated about how we could get brain fit because our brain is really in charge of ensuring that we can think straight, of making good decisions, of solving problems, of uh, applying logic and reasoning when appropriate.
1: Welcome to laugh Lead Podcast Show Season 2, Simplify to Amplify. Hi, I'm JC Jeanette Cremor, and I love interviewing industry experts. We hear their stories and we share practical tips to get the best out of your business strategies. We talk all things people, process and technology. On today's episode, I have with me Jenny, oh sorry, Dr. Jenny Brockes. And I met her maybe six years ago now um, in a women's networking um, program. And since I met her, I have been memorised, intrigued by her thinking. And her story, she says things like, um, as a child, she had a favourite tale called How the Elephant Got His Trunk. And like the elephant, um, she was curious about the world. And this led to her having a sense of awe and wonder around the human body and why sometimes things went wrong. And she spent her life looking after health and well-being of others before becoming a principal in a group medical practice. And in 2009, um, consultancy-based BrainFit, specialising in brain health, mental well-being and social connection. Today, Jenny, Dr Jenny, but I call her Jen um, because she's an amazing lady, Speaks on stage. She's a keynote speaker, trainer, mentor, coach, and she continues to indulge in her curiosity as a reader and a prolific writer. And the most important thing, her next book's coming out, Thriving Mind, in late July. So when this podcast goes to air, you'll be able to get your copy and we'll share that later in the episode. This is an incredible woman and I'm so happy to have her join me today. Hi, Jenny. Hello, Jeanette. <laughs> Can you believe it? You're in Perth and
0: I'm here in Melbourne. I know, the wonders of technology, it's great, isn't it? And we don't have to cross any borders. No, thank heavens. That's <laughs> that isolation because of it.
1: <laughs> um, as I said, Dr. Jenny, um, but you know, Jen, Jenny, how do you like to be called? Oh, What's uh, Jenny's, Jenny's fine. Yeah. Yep, Jenny or
0: Jen's, that's yes, fine. <laughs>
1: What was your transition behind the general practitioner to now Mm -hmm. your thought leadership and your, your first book, and we'll get into that next um, has been an international bestseller, but what pivoted you from GP to thought leader?
0: Uh, I've been asking myself that question recently (laughs) as well. You know, what made me leave uh, a successful general practice, which was my own practice to do something a bit, wild and wacky which was to step right out of the comfort zone um, to do something completely different but it was because while I was in practice I I too often felt that I was sticking band-aids on people's problems Mm. and I wasn't really getting into the nitty-gritty of what had led them to become ill in the first place I was seeing a lot of people struggling with anxiety, depression, burnout, uh, overwork, uh, dealing with toxic relationships, and much of it was all to do with the workplace, and I was asking myself, what are we doing to ourselves? You know, we're we're, we're the, you know, smart people, supposedly, we've got all this marvellous new technology, we've got all these smarts up in our heads, and yet we're making ourselves sicker by the day. Mm. And I started to look more into the preventative approach, well-being. And the more I looked into that uh, and the science behind it, I realized that, you know, i had been working in the sickness model all my time and I really wanted to work with the wellness model. So I, I moved to, and I didn't know that it was called anything at the time. I discovered that later. I was working with what is called lifestyle medicine which very much has a focus on helping people to not get sick in the first place. If you get sick, obviously you get sorted out, but you take a much more holistic approach. So if somebody comes in to see you and says, I'm feeling really tired, or I've got no energy, or they're feeling a bit sad, you're not gonna just ask for the basic questions. You're actually gonna dive deep into, well, how are you sleeping? Um, What's your diet like? Uh, are you actually in? You know, doing any exercise? What do you do for fun? All those sort of things to get a bigger picture of how this person is functioning overall. And by putting in place sometimes some really simple changes, you can actually really help somebody to transition from the position that they're in into feeling happy, energised, vital and thriving. So they feel more fulfilled. They feel that they're on the right path. They're doing things that they love to do and they're better at, um, making sure that their relationships are intact and, and looking after those relationships that are so important. And that, that's the sort of thing that made me transition and I knew I couldn't do that one-on-one. So the, the way to do it was to move out of the consulting room and onto the stage. Now, I have always been an intense introvert. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, was, I was the sort of person, if you asked me a question in class at school, I'd go bright red and try to hide under the desk. So public speaking didn't come naturally. <laughs> so I had to learn it. Um, I, had, uh, I was introduced to somebody who was fantastic. He said, Jenny, you need to join either Toastmasters or Rostrum. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And that's what enabled me to learn the art of speaking in public which and and learning to have the confidence in the message it wasn't about me Mm -hmm. and that was what helped me to sort of become a speaker Um, it was really about how to help other people by tapping into what was causing them pain and offering them a variety of solutions so that's that's what led to the transition and I I love it it's great
1: yeah and I, you know, you as a GP, I could, have, I would have actually not liked the dentist experience. No, no, don't take me to the dentist, mummy. But if I was a kid, I'd want to go see Dr. Jenny because she's she's a fun lady. Um, I've heard you speak on stage and you are brilliant. But I want to jump to the book that I first read of yours, which was yes. The Future Brain. That was your first yes. book and that really intrigued me around yes. your model. And you talk mm. about brain savvy, brain safe, brain aware. Mm. Mm. why is that important in kind of that wellness you know like you said you were mm. you're in the sickness model and you wanted to mm. go into the wellness model how did future brain come about
0: how did that come up well it was really this sort of understanding that we know we tend to focus a lot on physical fitness you know you've got to be out there striding around or going down the gym and doing all that sort of stuff, and we're also talked about the importance of nutrition, I was really fascinated about how we could get brain fit, because our brain is really in charge of ensuring that we can think straight, of making good decisions, of solving problems, of uh, applying logic and reason when appropriate, and to maybe get an understanding of what might be going on in somebody else's head, mm. which I think is critical as well. So, My approach to to brain health was, well, it starts with understanding a little bit about how your brain works. So that's the brain awareness piece. And the new science that's become available to us over the last couple of decades has helped us to actually understand. When I went to medical school, we learned more about the big toe than we did about the brain because we didn't have that knowledge. Mm. Uh, But that's all changed now. We now know from the neuroscience much, much more. There's still much more to learn about how the brain actually works. So I think being brain aware, understanding just the basics of how it's set up and how it likes to operate and how it can trip us up when (laughs) very frequently is important. And then the the brain safe piece is, oh, sorry, I've got the brain savvy is the next step, which is using it in the way it was designed so that you're operating at a sort of better level. Uh, uh, And and the, the approach for that is realizing that sometimes we use our brain uh, or try to get our brain to do something it wasn't designed for, such as multitasking. And so we create this, uh, and the brain tries to help because it's very obliging like that, but we we set ourselves up actually for poorer thinking Mm -hmm. because we're not using the brain correctly. So being brain savvy is about understanding how we are really good at setting up for more insight or more creativity, innovation, stuff like that. And to, you know, optimize how well we remember things. I don't know about you, but I find it quite difficult to remember things like timing of podcasts and things like that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's
1: an inside joke, everyone.
0: (laughs) So being brain savvy is about using your brain appropriately. And then the brain safe piece is the understanding that fundamentally, In any given moment, your brain's asking itself, am I safe to be here? Uh, And if not, where's the nearest exit? And if it is safe to be here, where's the reward? And Mm. if we understand that and understand that the the safety piece isn't just about saber-toothed tigers, it's about people and environments and situations in any given moment, is this a threat for me to be here or am I in a safe place? If you're in a safe place, you can relax. Phew. And if you're in that relaxed state and you're with people that you feel you can trust and depend on and communicate with effectively, you're going to be so much more effective. You're going to be much happier. You're going to get more done. You're going to be kicking your goals. Whereas, of course, the converse of that is where you don't feel safe and we tend to retreat. We shut down. We don't contribute, we stay very quiet. And, and if you're working in that in sort of environment, and I used to see so many people like this, which was awful, um, where they used to dread going to work because there'd usually just be one person who would make their life hell. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I would always think, goodness me, every day you have to face that, that threat of that person. Mm. And uh, I mean, it's okay for a couple, of, you know, a short period of time. But over a length of time, and people don't always have the the luxury of being able to leave that position or that job either. Mm. I and mean, then, especially in current situations where you know we want to hold on to our jobs, it's it's really tricky. And and it does great damage to us as individuals if we're in that threatened state. And it does great damage to a team or a workplace as well. So I'm I'm very passionate about the need for, for safety at work from the psychological perspective.
1: Wow. So awareness, um, which is about understanding how it works. Yes. Savvy, which is about using it for its purpose, yes. using the brain for its yes. purpose. Yes. And safety is that understanding of our safe need. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It is important. And if you think about that even not even at work, but in any relationship well, or situation. Any relationship,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm.
1: wow, what is one thing that we can do to improve our brain health? Like, if those three things are important, yeah. yes. what's one thing that we can do to improve our brain health?
0: There are so many things you could do. <laughs> Trying to pick one is tricky. Oh, well, um, give us but, three, uh, but, whatever. No, I, think, I think at this time... When we're living through this pandemic, I think the biggest issue I see at the moment is relating to the degree of uncertainty and worry, Mm. and that's leading to exhaustion. And I think the best thing we can do for our own brain health right now is to let go of the expectation to be able to do things as well as we normally would do. And I'm not saying just no, take the easy option. I just think we need to be a little bit kinder to ourselves because we are in such an abnormal situation and to slow down and to take time out when necessary. Um, you know, with, with lockdown, it's, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, I work from home. I've got a home office. I've worked from a home office for 10 years. So it's no drama for me to be at home working. And yet even I have been feeling constrained mm. by, by knowing that I don't feel safe to go outside to the supermarket. I avoid going to the supermarket. And I don't remember the last time I went to a shopping mall or anything like that. It's, it's, and it's that, that underlying tension, which I think is causing a lot of us, and I include myself in this, to, to feel sort of more anxious than usual. And when you're in that heightened state of anxiety, we don't think as clearly, we don't necessarily make great decisions. And, and, you know, if we're expecting, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to learn a new language. I'm going to do this new skill. I'm going to do this and that and the other. And I'm thinking, stop. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you really want to do it, don't do it. But I think it's important to just relax a little bit, if you can, and step away. Because I think the one thing that uh, this this time has revealed to us is the importance of stepping out of our bubble of busy and just being quiet with ourselves in the sunshine with a cup of coffee, preferably, or tea, whichever your preference is, and, and just to reflect on what's important to us. So I think that would be my thing, reflect on what's really important to you. And if you've had the opportunity to experience that, whatever that might look like, maybe it's you've had more time with the kids, maybe you've had more time to go for a walk uh spend time talking to your partner or anything like that what what's really been nice Mm. and hold on to that what are you going to be doing to hold on to that as we go into this uncertain future that we have no we have no idea what to expect
1: you know what i should have rung you a couple of months ago when i was feeling so yuck as well because (laughs) i thought i was going crazy that i and um Episode that comes out just before yours, um, mm-hmm. I talk about change in the grief cycle and the fact mm-hmm. that I've had a sense mm-hmm. of loss of freedom mm-hmm. and that we should be, you know, grieving is a natural yeah. thing. And I talk about yeah. um, Kubler Ross's five stages. Yeah. And I was trying to explain to people the exhaustion that you just mentioned. And I thought, oh, I'm thinking, well, I'm not doing any physical activity. I go from the bedroom to the kitchen to my home office, back to the kitchen, back to the bedroom, back. And I went, I'm getting no movements. I'm not exhausted, but why am I so exhausted?
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's the thank mental you. exhaustion. Thank it, you. For, and, thank it's, you. And, it's, <laughs> and it's very real. It's very real. And and it's tied up with, with physical exhaustion as well, because uh, when you're, when you're mentally as tired as that, it, it's very hard to feel motivated to want to move your body too. Mm. So uh, I don't know some people have been really good and going online and doing all these sort of yoga and Pilates and, Goodness knows what else. And other people have said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm just too tired to do it. You know, I could get out for a quick walk. Uh, and I say, yeah, that, that's actually normal. It's a normal response to an abnormal situation. So we can't expect our bodies and our minds to behave in a way that we are used to because it's not normal.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. I think you've just saved a few um, thousands of people of um, thinking that they were going insane, but um, yeah, I look, I loved your first book and I loved your model as I, as I said, mm. but your next book that's coming up. Oh my gosh. Mm. Can't wait to get my hands on it. I've pre-ordered <laughs> and we'll talk about that at the end of the yeah. episode, how people can get their hands on the book. Mm. But what got you to write this book called thriving mind, how to cultivate a good life?
0: Uh, it was a follow on from Future Brain, where it was very much about the brain health. And what I'd realized was actually, uh, it, I wanted to sort of delve more into the mental well being and the happiness piece. I wanted to call the book How to Be a Happy, Thriving Human. Mm-hmm. And the publisher said, Nah, don't like that title at all. People won't unknow what a human is. And I said, Seriously? <laughs> Okay, but they were being very serious, so I wasn't allowed to call it that., uh, we agreed on thriving mind, but the book is all about how to be a happy thriving human so mm. it 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 looked the reason I wrote it was, and I wrote it pre covid I wrote it because of the uncertainty, the stress, the overwork. overwork has been such a problem. we've bought into this notion that the only way to be successful is to work, you know. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, and then do it a little bit extra over time as well. Um, and it doesn't work. Mm. And it's the fastest track to burnout um, and mood disorders, such as anxiety, depression. And we wonder why we're seeing so much mental unwellness. Well, I think that's a lot to do with it. So I wrote it to sort of address the overwork, the overwhelm, the lack of happiness. People were feeling there, yeah, I get up, I go to work, I do my job, I come back. And it's, mm. They weren't feeling happy or weren't feeling fulfilled. They were feeling they were missing out on something. And, and I was also conscious of the fact that a lot of people were lonely. Mm-hmm. We've got all this wonderful technology. We can connect with each other, you know, instantly. And yet people are feeling lonelier than ever. Mm-hmm. And it's a growing problem. And I thought, yeah, this is we've got to do something about understanding we're social creatures. We are wired to connect with each other. So I wrote the book to address that. And the first section is about how to be happier. It's not about how to be happy. Mm-hmm. It's a difference. How to be happier is about recognizing that we have a full array of emotion and we need to embrace each one of them because each one of them will be appropriate to a particular situation. If somebody's sharing with you that they're going through a tough time, you don't want to be all happy. You want to be able to empathise with them or feel sad for them or, or feel some appropriate emotion. And it is only when you understand and you have experienced the whole array that you know what it feels like to feel happy. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. Mm. Yeah. It's it's kind of not a barometer reading, but it's kind of like... Um, it's a scale for me for me, I think um, happiness for me
0: mm.
1: is when I'm with my two girls. Like Yes, yes. That, that, that yes. to me, that just sums it up easily. And people that know yes. me, you, you know my two yes. girls. Yes. Um, but I don't have to have happy around me all the time no. to feel a sense of no. happiness when I'm with them. Is no. that kind of what Absolutely. you're trying to say? Absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah. Absolutely. And And I think sometimes, you know, we're encouraged to chase happiness but we create our own happiness. I we know what gives us joy, which is slightly different from happy, but it's tuning into that, what makes us feel calm, content, fulfilled, what gives us purpose and meaning. Um, it's all those sort of things that I address in that first section. And then I talk about how to thrive and I dive into my lifestyle medicine stuff because I love it so much. So I talk about the the healthy nutrition and the exercise and the sleep and the mindfulness and stuff. But I also talk about play and laughing and the need for nature. Uh, And and this is something that I do feel very strongly about. Uh, The the studies have told us that we spend about 90% of our time indoors. Mm and uh and and yeah i could see how that happens especially if you work from home <laughs> yes. exactly and,
1: and that goes because um a couple of weeks ago um, my daughter noticed that i was like a bit off as yes of, and she said pack the laptop up we're going outside good this is yes. when we were and you talk about play and being outside so i had my my daughter and my 18 you know 18 month old granddaughter in yeah. the in the playground in the park yeah. going up and down slides and on swings and running around chasing the ducks and I, I was full I was full yeah. of happiness but I think it was being outside mm-hmm. with the people that where I have a sense of, because I am always in my office and she said get out of that surrounding because just come outside in the sun and I went Absolutely. wow what
0: yeah, yeah. what so great nice. medicine
1: that was yes
0: Sunlight helps to boost um, levels for our hormone serotonin, which helps us to feel happier or calmer, more contented. So it's really important that we do get that exposure. It's not just the vitamin D. We need it to feel better about ourselves. And they've also, there was a study done in the UK and they found that the minimum time that we need to be outside every week in nature with something preferably either green or blue. So we need to be amongst, you know, in a park or down the beach or somewhere, is 120 minutes. So we wow. we always talk about, you know, you must get outside, you know, must do your 30 minutes of exercise every single day, that huffy puffy stuff. And I'm saying, well, yes, we do need to be physically active sufficiently, but why not combine that by getting outside and going for a long walk or you know, whatever mm-hmm. you do? because that's going to really ramp up your feel good hormones so that you feel better. And, you know, we I talked earlier about threat and reward. We know yeah. that the exercise and, and being out in nature reduces our stress levels. All that nasty cortisol starts to disappear. We elevate the serotonin with the, with the sunlight and um, we get more dopamine, which is a reward hormone. And we, we you know, those, Lovely endorphins you get when you when you're exercising a lot. <laughs> you get those happening too. So it's it's a win-win. And so getting out for two hours a week, uh, it's it's it really shouldn't be that hard. But sometimes because we're so caught up doing everything else and justifying why we don't do, uh, we have to schedule it in to make it happen. But I think yeah. the benefit is is there. And and I know um, for a long time in Europe, for example, if people present. With symptoms of mild to moderate depression, the first thing they will be prescribed is walking outside.: Wow, before yeah. they might add in an antidepressant. Yeah. So they, they, that's the power of it. That's how, how, how important it is to our well-being. So that's, that's part of the thriving stuff. And then the last section is about the, the human connection piece: the need for trust, respect, kindness, compassion and empathy. And and I, I don't know if you've noticed this too, but during this peculiar time, I have seen some people being incredibly kind mm-hmm. and it's been really heartwarming to witness. There's been a kindness, a kindness pandemic and there's actually a Facebook group called The Kindness Pandemic. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, if you look it up. And it's where people share stories where people have been kind to each other. And I think it was because, you know, if you turn on the news only talking about one thing which is a bit monotonous and depressing yes we need these uplifting stories where good things have happened and people have noticed it or or done things just to help out and that 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 to me reminds me that we we have this wonderful humanity available to us let's let's use it for the good and so that that last section is addressing that how can we get better at tapping into that humanity
1: humanity where And that reminds me, um, I was doing some brainstorming last week and we're talking about how can we, just in the workplace, how can yeah. I'm working with a client at the moment and they, you know, all the staff are working from home and how can we have better connection because we're over the Brady Bunch Zoom calls kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And and uh, through the brainstorming, we talked about acts of kindness. So wow. th- this this yeah. company has a big enough office that, you know, two or three people can go in and they've got like 50 square meters to themselves Mm. because it's such Mm. a big office Mm. but one of the things we talked about was what can you do as an act of kindness for the next person that comes in the office you know are you going to leave them a thank you note on their desk or going to leave a little chocolate or yeah or you know just some act of kindness just so one like wow timing Mm. you (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. talked about it last week and now you're saying it and i'm going oh okay this is this yeah. is a real thing um,
0: it is a real thing and and again we, we underestimate how powerful kindness can be when somebody does something kind for you i mean you get that lovely warm glow inside and you're much more likely then to be kind to someone else yes so you pay it forward and yeah. and i think that ripple effect is, is wonderful
1: yeah
0: and, uh, it makes us more generous um, and, and compassionate to each other and, and you know that all helps it all helps
1: absolutely so there's three big sections within <laughs> just, that book yes, oh my yes. gosh i'm gonna get my hands on it soon um <laughs> what's one thing though that we can do right now to thrive i, I like through that conversation there was heaps that i took away but to mm. just to kind of help people what's one thing that they could probably do
0: now i think to to find what what Brings them calm. Mm. Um, what is that thing that helps you just to feel okay? And it's going to be different things for different people. Uh, I, I love mindfulness meditation. That's my, my calming thing. And I, I undertake to do a practice every day. I don't always manage it every single day, but I, I have the intention I said that. Uh, it, it could be something like choosing just to press pause and listen to your favorite piece of beautiful music or, um, and it could be a podcast where you're listening to a, you know, a really great conversation and you're just sort of lost in the thought and, and following it along. It's, it's what gives you that inner peace. Yeah. I think that that's what I would suggest people look for. And, and it may not be obvious straight away. You may have to sort of spend a couple of days thinking about what is it that makes me feel calm, but it's there. We just need to tap into it and and remind ourselves to tap into it frequently, not just a one-off thing.
1: Yeah, well, that to me is great advice because for me, I've just got a sense of foundation. Like if if we identified what our calm is, mm. that that builds mm. a real solid foundation. Mm. Mm. That's a good good advice, Dr. Jenny. <laughs> um, let's flip. The coin a little bit you help yes. so many people like and yes. i mean thousands across the world in your um, beautiful keynotes and your books and your programs but come on how do you look after yourself or or are you like that mechanic with a broken down vehicle <laughs> that you don't really look after yourself oh dear
0: oh dear <laughs> <laughs> she, she laughs nervously <laughs> um, yes i'm human um, yeah. i'm very good at helping other people yeah. I haven't always been so great at looking after myself. Yeah. And I acknowledge that. And I'm very fortunate that I have a wonderful husband who is very good at sort of picking me up and saying, you are working too hard. Stop it. Yes. <laughs> and I have some beautiful friends who say, Jenny, we are fed up with you saying, no, you can't do this because you've got work to do. Um, you're coming out with us and you're going to be doing this. Uh so I'm I'm good in some aspects of self-care. Sleep is my my big thing. I have to have enough sleep. We wouldn't be having a nice conversation if I hadn't had sleep. Just I'll just leave it like that. Yeah. So sleep is my my absolute thing that I do ensure I get enough of. Um but as far as energy levels go, because I am introverted. I need that space for me. I need Mm. to make sure that I can shut the door, turn off the phone, shut out the world and just be on my own for a little bit because that's what recharges my batteries. Mm. So I I did find there was a time when I was doing a lot of keynotes, a lot of traveling. Um, I was starting to lose my, my zest for what I was doing. I was starting to feel a bit more resentful, actually. And now I was terrible. And I'm thinking, goodness me, <laughs> what's going on? And I realized I was just doing too much. And, I'm, and I wasn't getting enough downtime. So sometimes I need other people to say, stop it, <laughs> because I'm not recognizing it in myself. And other times I do sort of get a sense of, okay, Jenny, pull your head in. No, and and it's when your friends say something like, "You're not walking your talk, Jenny." Yes. <laughs> oh dear. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Caught out again. <laughs> yeah.
1: but it's always a way, isn't it? When your craft or your art, your expertise, yeah. yeah, you you help so many other people with it, but we don't ever do it for ourselves. Like
0: where it's it's harder to do it. And it's bizarre, isn't it? Why we find it so hard to do it for ourselves as easily? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I always say I'm very good at telling everybody else what to do. Not so good at telling myself.
1: <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> Look, let's, I could talk forever, but let's sum up. People can get in touch with you. How? Because I know uh-huh. you help them in their with their teams. Like yes. I know your programs, you yes. can ha- come in and help people with their teams.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I know. Yeah. There's lots of things that you can do. How can people get in touch with you? what's the first the easiest
0: thing thing is, is probably by email yeah um and that's the that's the simplest thing so that's jenny at mm-hmm. that's the easiest way they can also also contact me through my website which is drjennybrockis.com you notice there's a theme here <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Quite easy to as long as you've got the name right you can find me um so yeah that's probably the two easiest ways
1: Yeah, and I'll put the links on my website as well so people can click through, but I'll just um, spell your last name. So it's um, J-E-N-N-Y and it's B-R-O-C-K-I-S. If anyone's Googling you. Um, Now, how's the best way to get your books? Is it directly through Booktopia or somewhere or through your website? What's the best way?
0: Okay, Um, the book launches on the 31st of July. And guess what? This comes out on the 29th. Yay! (laughs) So up until the 31st, there's uh, a pre-order through Booktopia, but you can do it through any online retailer where if you pre-order it online and send me proof of purchase to my email, you get a second signed copy from me. So two for one. And you get some additional bonuses that I've thrown in as well, just as a sort of thank you for, for purchasing. But basically, it's, uh, I mean, you know, the times are different at the moment. Where, where do you buy books these days? But um, basically, it's going to be available on all the online retailers. Uh, it's going to be as a paperback and as an ebook, Kindle. And you can also buy it off my website. Um, but you have to pay for postage. And I prefer to do that only within Australia because otherwise the postage is a bit bit hideous and a bit slow. Uh, So that's probably the easiest way. And um, you can get it through Dimmicks and some of the other bookstores, uh, depending on who's available in your location. So um, I don't have any say on where the book goes to. That's the publisher's decision, but I do know that Dimmicks will be carrying it.
1: Yeah, and, and Wiley, W I L E Y, is your publisher. That's and they had you, I think Brain Fit
0: was in their special series of They they that was Future Brain. Yeah. It was Future Brain that they they retitled, which um, I was a bit worried I was going to confuse everybody because it was um, they called it Smarter, Sharper Thinking.
1: Yes. And but was there six or eight books in that series?
0: Uh, I think there were, I think actually oh, there were more. 12.
1: 12, but they yes, all kind of like, Um. so people that have listened to my podcast, I had Janine Garner on earlier this year and she was also part of that series. So, yes, yes. so there's some really good thought leadership in that Wiley series. So please yes. people, at least Google Jenny, look at her website because uh, when you um, get her to come in and help, um, she definitely makes a difference. So thank you so much for joining me today.
0: It's been a delight, Jeanette. I've really enjoyed our conversation, and hopefully, we can share a wine
1: somewhere face to oh, face one day again. So oh my gosh,
0: so nice. Yes, oh,
1: let's let's all head back to Palm Cove. Oh, I'm with you on that one. <laughs>
0: See ya. <laughs> Bye.
1: Thank you for listening. Jump on my website, JeanetteCreamer.com.au, and download the Leveraging Insights workbook. It has over fifty tips from the first year of the show's episodes. It's a great online learning tool for you and your team. Until next time, keep smiling.